I mean, it's a sort of distant cousin of cousin of like green screen or CGI. People yep. don't people have accepted that not everything is shot visually live in a, in a spot. But it's not real. It's not real. They didn't. What? They didn't go to the moon for this. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast. Today we are here bringing you the Weekly Brew 24. As we record this on the 27th of January, it is a Thursday, it is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we're ready to get back into it. You've probably missed us after a two-week gap, but look, that's given you plenty of time to catch up for all of those other episodes you're still trying to catch up on in the moment, and look, we've got things going on in our lives. It is... 2022 is still proving to be a crazy year, uh, even though it is only 27 days into the year. Uh, And it has felt like that for the past two years in itself. So yeah, we've got some things to catch up on today. We've got some things to talk about, fill you in on our lives. But before we get into any of that, we are bringing back Brulette for 2022. Um, And that's where we are right now, Brulette 31. It's nice to start off. Last year we ended on 30. This year we're bringing it into 31. It's always nice. Makes me feel good and rounded and things like that. Anyway, uh, look, it is a fresh year, fresh perspective into what Brulette is all about. So I'll give you a quick rundown of what's going on. If you if you know what's going on, then sweet. This is for everyone else coming into 2022 and jumping on this. So Brulette is basically a little challenge in ourselves for me and James, but also just a ex- uh, time and an experience for us to just share a brew together and have a drink and, and catch up and talk. But Brulette itself, where Brulette comes from, is me and James have to go to a supermarket of choice in our respective cities and purchase a, a beverage, a uh, aluminum, aluminium can of beer, um, and we have to try and buy the same beer. Um, hence where the the let the roulette the brulette of it comes um, and if we successfully do that uh, then great we win brulette um, it is then up to you as the listener to quickly jump on our instagram or our socials um, tag us in it um, let us know what that beer it is and what episode you heard it in and if you are the first person to do that and get in contact with us with all that information share it to your story share it to us um, you get a little prize package now we were um, you know initially stacking it up we'd keep on putting money into the kitty every week but um Look, it's uh, it's gone on a little bit longer than we times are we tough. first expected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, times are tough. Um, so we have capped it. We have got a, a very nice, sizable prize pool. Um, but basically, that money is going towards back to you, um, and we will buy you a kind of beverage bundle, uh, whether you want non-alcoholic or alcoholic, bit of both, um, that's up to you and we will cater a bundle for you. Um, so yeah, that's why we do Brulette, for us to have the opportunity to catch up, but also the opportunity for you, the listener, to win something, potentially, 
if it ever happens. One day. Um, so <laughs> we can, we bring you Brulette 31. Um, so the way that this works is we're just going to list off three times. First, we start off with the type of beer that we have. The brewery, it has, no, the name? Brew. Brewery second, name third. Brewery second, name third. Um, and yeah, if we don't get it right, then we just continue to talk about the beers that we have. And we will also rate these beers as well um, to put us into the list of finding our favorite beers throughout the country. Um, without further ado, let's get into it. So on the count of three, we will name the type of beer that we have. One. Two, three. Lager. Double hazy IPA. Oh, lager. Couldn't be any further away. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is a miss, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I that is a think, miss. I, I thought the chances of you getting a lager were low, but you know what? That's okay. That's all right. Um, you know, we're a bit out of practice. By the end of last it's year, true. I feel like our, our sense was getting there a little bit. Yep we're, yep. we're a bit rusty. We're sort of off kilter with, with honing in on, on each other's vibe. <laughs> um, but what is this, this impressive, scary sounding beer that you have uh, purchased for today's episode? Yeah. Uh, yes. Double Hazy IPA. It is from Brewery Lake Man. Uh, oh, yeah. And it, it is called the, it is called a Cactus Juice um lake man one that we haven't had on the uh, podcast before i don't believe um it is a topor brewery um brewed in topor itself um i've seen it pop up every now and then um but yeah this one is a cactus juice double hazy ipa so um yeah it's a 8.7 percenter it is a oh 440 mil can yeah it's a it's a it's a pretty big one it's uh it does say oh wow I'm yep, going to guess is. that that must be 3.2. It's three standards, which I completely did not realize. <laughs> well, you have a decision to make, Sarah, on whether you finish or not. We've never, we've never imparted any kind of needing to to finish any any sort of it, and no. I haven't finished no. some of the parts that I have enjoyed. So you know, you can just sip and sort of move on with life. I've definitely seen the Lake Man logo before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a smaller uh, of the New Zealand brewery. So we're interested to hear what yours is. Uh, mine is definitely down the other end of the spectrum. Uh, coming in at a whopping 1.2 standards, I have gone for the very, very simple lager from Parrot Dog. It's standard uh, lager. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I was interested in this is not just from a core range uh, perspective, you know, over Brulette, we've we've got through a lot of the Garage Project core range, True. Uh, some other core ranges, but you know my own sort of James's Insider Brulette rankings. You know, last year one of the big parts of Brulette was the fact that uh, I said Bitter Bitch Parrot Dog's founding core range IPA was my favorite, one of my favorite, if not my favorite beers. Uh, before tasting the APA, the Falcon came along and equaled it, and also you had Matt the uh, one of the the sort of the mosaic the, lager. the mosaic lager so mm. i thought it would be worthwhile seeing where parrot dog standard lager stacked up against uh a, a sort of the competition within parrot dog but also the other couple of lagers that we've done on the show and as we said at the kind of summary of the the brulette year last year you know we need to expand our horizons not that i'm saying there's anything wrong with the beer you've chosen today but <laughs> i just thought you know what yep i can't just can't do sours and hazies every week so i've gone yeah, for a lager true. uh I don't know if I've 
Eva had Paradox Basic Lager as well. So I'm interested to see huh. where it comes in. Uh, let's crack them open and uh, nope. do some sipping as well as talking. Nice. Cheers to you, sir. Cheers to you. Quick sip. Quick sip of lava. Oh, lava. Quick sip of a lager. Um, ooh. You think about that for a bit while I talk. Mm. Um, sit there and think about what you've done. Nice, actually. Um, I tell you what, and this is sort of going off topic a little bit. Uh, I was at a friend's place the other day, friend of the show, Hey Monsieur. Uh, for long-time listeners will know him as one of the few guests we've ever had on. Would have been one of the first ever episodes we did. Hamish came on to a quiz. Uh, and we were drinking Gisborne Golds the other day. One of the sort of newer lagers that you'll see pop up in, uh, in sort of restaurants. And the kind of, it's sort of one of the, the simpler beers that restaurants and bars and stuff will stock. Uh, which is a very nice lager. Probably taken over the Waka Changis of this world for me. Um, oh. So that's probably what I'm comparing this to. Uh, most directly and i'd say first sip was nice refreshing you know it's an afternoon on a thursday uh i am enjoying it and i i hope it might score quite well for a lager so we'll see how is your massive thing over there (laughs) um really good uh the the first you know i I think like double ipas in themselves are of a if you've listened before and as you know james a beer that i really enjoy yeah more to your Um, taste than mine yeah, exactly. But the hazy um, aspect of this double IPA, I feel like really um, tones it down, mm. but not in a bad way. Um, I was just reading through as well. Um, you know, obviously beer, like in, in this, you know, your water, your malt, your hops and yeast and all of that. But during the brewing process, what they've done is they've actually put, um, is it agave? Mm-hmm. A- uh, yeah, they've put agave syrup or agave juice um, into the fermentation process when they dry and temper the malt. Um, and it's done something really nice to the beer itself. Um, they say they've used Mosaic, Simcock and Nelson um, uh, hops. But I got to say, it's actually really good. I think if you were to put this in front of me, I wouldn't realize that it's a double IPA. Um, I get the kind of really hoppy texture at the right at the end of the palate, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know when you when you drink a real heavy beer, you kind of get that sensation straight away. You get the hazy before anything else, and then the hoppiness comes way later into the palate. So really surprising. Um, I think quite dangerous knowing that it's a three standards. I think it's going to be quite easy to drink which uh, can be to its detriment, but also very enjoyable. Um, yeah, I, I think this is going to go down well. Will he make it to his rehearsal is the question. <laughs> and why don't we start it there? Not to put any words in your mouth, but, uh, you know, it's been it's been an, mm. a genuine while since we caught up. Not just yeah. a, uh, a podcast sort of behind the curtain, publicly catching up while uh it's been a really busy couple of weeks for both of us so we haven't really had much time to catch up at all uh a lot is going on personally professionally creatively uh nation state politics (laughs) and 
lively. Uh, so, how's how have your last few weeks been, bro? Since since we caught up on on the last weekly brew, um, what's been going on? Pick wherever you want to start, and and I will pepper you with questions as appropriate. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, yeah, look, it's going. It's been going really well. I've been quite busy myself, not to the point of being like overbearing and stuff like that just busy with things that i you know with work but also things that i want to be doing as well um for the past two weekends just gone um i've worked both saturday and sunday which is a bit of a switch up from me uh covering working saturdays um and then yeah weekend just gone i worked saturday sunday monday um yeah obviously went down to that casual role so i haven't been working that much but over the past two weeks working a little bit more than what I usually have been so that's nice in itself of getting a little bit more money in the pocket which is cool um so yeah but I mean yeah work itself has been work is work it's uh, as I've talked before the CBD in Auckland here is is really was trying to pick up you know like it, it really was but um for circumstances that we will obviously get into, um, I'll get into now, um, the switch and change of directions with old COVID here in New Zealand for our overseas listeners and for our home listeners, obviously going into our red traffic light setting. Um, yeah, it's completely just flipped the script again and yeah, town is, it's, it's, it's weird. You know, people are about and things, but retail in itself just doesn't feel like it's really ramping up. Um, so yeah, that's a kind of mixed bag in itself. Um, but yeah, work is work. But in amongst all of that as well, um, I have been rehearsing for my show, which is going really well. Um, it's really interesting devising a show and having multiple brains trying to make up the show on you know what kind of direction do we choose to go what is the best right now for us to be doing when do we start forming a script and things like that it's it's really interesting and you know we had a really good talk the other night basically just being like when it comes to devising yeah you can read how someone else has devised their show but that doesn't mean that that's got to be your process. So it has been very much us just trying to find our process and how we work best together and how we want to find and create the show that we want to do. It has been really rewarding, but also really draining and hard at exactly the same time because we're all, I mean, we've all done devising before, but to do it with a whole new group and, you know, a, a sh- a probably a show like this for the first time for all of us, it's... um. Yeah, it's it's interesting interesting to find out and and maneuver each other and maneuver in the room. So, but in saying that, out of everything that's been going on, I mean that's what I want to be doing mm. anyway. So it's it's no burden or torture on on anything like that. I just get home a little bit more tired, yeah. a little bit more mentally drained, which yeah. is fine. Which I guess fine. one thing we should say uh, is you know for those of you who are not uh theater inclined devising is i guess a bit of lingo that i don't know if we've ever broken down on the show Uh, if we haven't before we should just say really quickly a devised show is something that doesn't come from a script so i'd say good proportion of theater 
whether it be musical theatre or comedy or drama or whatever, someone will have written that script in advance, whether it's some new playwright or it's Shakespeare or, you know, a show that was written 50 years ago that's been put on thousands of times around the world. Uh, those are all, all you know, theatre shows, productions that, that come from a script. You decide, I'm going to put the show on, I want to perform hamlet we're going to do it in this way and we will cast the show based on the characters that are mm. required mm. and usually a scripted show like that is you know how do you put on a show for the first time if it's a new work you know we've got the script how do we want to uh perform this and de- design the show based around the script and sometimes particularly if it's shakespeare it's like you know people have seen this before for the most part how do we do it in a different way devising is a bit different um not that all process the same but the the general uh understanding of the process is you with a group of people that you want to work with say hey let's do a show and you don't go what script shall we decide it's yeah. let's write our own show but the writing process isn't one person or multiple people putting pen to paper and coming up with a script of characters it sort of happens organically in the room now the devising process can can vary you know it might form a script very quickly or it might never form a script it might be a show that you never actually write any words down and you kind of just change it night to night and uh i mean I'm sure at some point, whether it's this episode or or closer to the time, you might be able to recap the whole devising process for this show specifically. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought I should just say to anyone who is like, what the hell does devising mean? It's basically, you know you have a show, you know you have the title of the show you're doing, you know when your season is at the Basement Theatre in Auckland, and it's like, all right, we have to get this script together and figure <laughs> out what the hell the thing is, which makes it uh, a little bit scary, but also exciting because you have kind of full control to make changes as and when you want. Uh, and it is obviously a product of the specific group of people. Um, and contrastingly, the show that Matt and I are going to do later on, the it'll be a devised show in the sense mm. that we are deciding how to put things together, but not desire, uh, devised in the same way because we will be using scripts from New Zealand literature. So we're taking yeah. source material, but we're figuring out how to piece it all together. So devising can uh, occur in lots of different ways, but really the core of it is that you're not working from a set script. You have to figure out uh, how to piece the show together. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, it's been, yeah, like I said, really good, really hard. Um, but it's, yeah, what I want to be doing. So it is fun. It is a lot of fun. And some people can um, devise and some people can't. That's another thing oh, about totally. theatre actors. Exactly. Some people have that that element of their creative personality where it's mm. like, yeah, let's get in a room and we'll figure out what we've got. Some people are brilliant actors and don't have that ability to make stuff happen just in the same way the same way that there are some actors who really get screened but don't get theater at all um so i think it is a is definitely a separate skill that i sort of i suppose pushes towards the you know some people can do improv and some people can't there's definitely Mm. some crossover there um but i think it's yeah worth saying that not everyone can devise it is a skill set of yourself and other people in the show that means you can go yeah we'll just write something and you know, it's scary we'll find it as we go yeah. <laughs> it is scary it is but uh it's good it's good um what else has been going on in my life um yeah me and uh morgan are continuing uh i actually don't know if i mentioned this two weeks ago or if i did the search um, but we for a yeah, the search yeah exactly a search for a fuddy a search for an apartment me and morgan are looking for um and i'll tell you a quick story because it's just so annoying 
we've seen a few and things like that. The old pros and cons, yeah, nah. Um, we went and saw one today, actually, this morning, and it's probably the top of our list so far of like, actually, yeah, this is this could be really enjoyable and comfortable, um, but not a this is our dream place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we don't have time constraint or time pressure on looking for a place. So it's top of the list, though. But anyway, on Monday, me and Morgan were both working and we used our lunch breaks to go and view an apartment. So our viewing was at one o'clock, we left work, um, and we were walking up the road, it was in town, got out, got to the apartment, and just waited, waited for a message, got a message, uh, and the person was like, oh, let us know when you're outside, and I was like, yep, we're outside, um, waiting outside, and she was like, cool, um, I'll be down in a second, uh, and then I got another message, and she was like, I'm out front, I can't see you. We were like, never a text that you want to get in we like, any yep. circumstance. Yep. Uh, okay. And then she messaged back being like, oh, is this for reviewing at property? Ruddy, ruddy, ra, ruddy, ruddy, ra. And we were like, no, we're at, we're at this property. And she was like, oh, I have made a mistake. Um, are you interested in viewing Ruddy Ruddy Ra Ruddy Ruddy Ra? We were like, no, we wanted to look at this property here. She's like, oh yes, that property has been rented out now. We were like, what? So she completely messed up which property I actually messaged her about. I remember her on the phone saying, okay, yep, this property, we will put you in for this viewing here. So she completely messed it up. Um, so we shame. were pretty. What was the company? Yeah. Quinovic. We were. Uh, I, oh, I maybe don't. don't. I mean, I think yeah. <laughs> later on you should name a shame. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a fail in itself. Anyway, um, the next day we were meant to go view another apartment. I get an email uh, for, for about this apartment, and they were like, um, "This apartment has now been rented out." And so I messaged back. I emailed back, being like, "Hey, we had a viewing uh, for tomorrow at this time uh, to see this uh, apartment." I take it this is no longer available. She was like, uh, yes, sorry. This uh, I will have to cancel the booking. It has been rented out now. Thank you. And we were like, what? <laughs> Why would you give us a booking if it's like, you know, if it's already that far into the process of, you know, and, but that's just it, right? They're like, of course they're going to book in viewings because they want backups just in yeah. case. But it's just for us, we just felt so mucked around and it just so happened to happen like one day apart for two apartments that yeah. we were really keen on seeing. So it was just, it was just unfortunate timing and unfortunate circumstances. So that's Yeah, fate. I mean, renting companies suck. To be. Like I'm, I mean, I'm not renting at the moment and I have like the luck and privilege of being in a renting situation where it's private landlords. I've been lucky to basically rent with private landlords my whole renting life. And mm. yeah, I just, renting companies suck. They don't care about, uh, the people, they just want to fill the place with someone that's going to pay their rent. And that's why they all have such bad uh, ratings online. Yeah. Like, because those the companies just don't really take into account the, the human aspect. And and yeah, so that's that's my short-winded round of saying, <laughs> screw you rental companies. Screw you guys. But yeah, that's re- <laughs> that is really annoying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's continuing, like I said, there's no pressure on anything. So we're just trying to find the right place where, you know, it's, it's us and we can, we can call it home. We can call it our whare. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, on the, the larger topic of, of what I was saying before and what's going on, New Zealand is, has, um, you know, got the gift of the Omicron now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's growing and growing even over the past few days and the past week or so. And we've gone into our harshest settings of restrictions at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think that the thing that, you know, I wanted to talk about quickly and things is it's so, uh, look for our listeners overseas, I know it's so strange because you guys have had it for and been going with it for so much longer than what we have. So it is very much ingrained in your just everyday life and, and the way that you guys have to deal with it. But for us here in New Zealand, like we are so behind the ball, obviously, you know, we have had different restrictions and one way of dealing with it and things like that. But we are so behind the ball now that when they talk about with Omicron and how they're saying, you know, potentially half the country could get it, that's 2.5 million people. The highest cases we could get in one day would be like 80,000 people. And, you know, that this thing is going to double every two days and things like that. You know, like listening to those kind of stats when we haven't had anything like that over the past two years is like it's like why did we go through everything else before this to just get to the absolute worst that it could possibly be now so it's yeah it's it's so strange and uh, you know you overseas sisters could be listening to this and be like stop whining i'm not whining it's just mentally obviously with us trying to create a theater show knowing that Omicron is only going to get worse over the next month or so for us is like, is it worth putting it on? Is it even going to go on if it gets worse? Um, and you know, it's sometimes, well, not sometimes it's now you have to have that thought every day of being like, okay, when am I getting it? Mm. You know, like I've got my COVID kit ready to go here, you know, like, uh, I've, it's it's gonna be and you know it's yeah when am i gonna get it because that's the way they're talking about it it's it's almost inevitable so uh it is just interesting hearing all of this talk and stuff like that i mean whether it's all hype up and you know we're all scaring each other in media and things like that but yeah it's just the reality reality of of how we have to live with omicron now so that's going to be interesting in itself how we kind of see and talk about that over the coming weeks and watching it grow yeah, it's definitely like a sense of foreboding that's probably equal to or worse than anything else we've had. I think we've probably had three or four episodes over the last 18 months where it's been like, and stuff has changed. And this has obviously <laughs> been, been one, um, I mean, from a case numbers perspective, it's I always think it's interesting, you know, part of the reason, well, not part of the reason why we did this show, but a value of the show is that it's a timestamp of the last sort of two years for us. I'm sure it would be fascinating to listen back at some point. So dear diary today is the 27th of January, 2022. And we have, uh, almost 90, uh, new Omicron cases, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, who knows next week it could be a thousand or 10,000 or whatever. So that's where we're at currently. And yeah, uh, there's definitely that sense of, of dread. I definitely get how you feel about, you know, rehearsing for the show sort of that. And not that I'm putting this on you or anything else, but mm-hmm. that doomed to fail thing. Obviously your season's already been pushed back once is so frustrating. Yeah. And yeah. You know, there's been a lot of talk that I've seen over the last few weeks about there not being enough support for artists and people working in events and the whole 
two shots for summer vaccine campaign was sort of fronted by you know musicians and concert mm. uh, organizers mm. that sort of stuff and now you know they're the, the people that can't operate um and yeah I, I mean generally sort of transitioning into how i've been the last few weeks what i've been up to yeah. i think that that sort of five to ten percent extra dread and stress has definitely been sitting on the shoulders of everything else i've been doing um yeah i've been back in the barbershop working since the 10th uh, my two part-timers both, uh, politely, you know, not in any drama or th- dramatic fashion, uh, no longer working there anymore. They both have moved on to other things. So it's just me at the moment, uh, working close to 40 hours a week for the last two weeks. It'll be the same this week on top of that, having to try and hire like the whole hiring process. I'm not sure mm. if I've talked about it before, but it's so hard. I mean, when you're, I feel like when you're an employee applying for a job, you really through view it through the lens of like employee uh, employers have all the power and they don't communicate and there's you know they have all the control but actually being an employer you know not that i own the company and not that i'm the person paying but as the sort of acting manager type figure going through people's cvs and making decisions on whether you think they're appropriate for the job and if they've got enough experience and judging people's personalities. It's just, it's not a lot of fun. There's no sort of reward from that. You can only feel bad by sort of not giving people an opportunity versus, you know, I don't feel awesome by giving someone a job. It's not, you know, I don't get that like, oh, well, I'm giving you an opportunity, so I feel great about it. I just feel terrible (laughs) for anyone that, you know, I can't hire for whatever reason. So totally. as well as the hours of work uh, and the shop opens, I'm opening at seven currently. So that means sort of being awake six o'clock in the oh, morning. So um, that plus the hours plus the hiring has been you know pretty stressful. And that was a decent contributor to why we didn't do an episode last week. I sort of just said to me, I just don't really have space for that mentally. Um hopefully that's kind of winding up but this is the thing right i said to matt before we started recording it seems so stupid to be hiring people at the moment when at any moment like everyone's business could just go on pause but yeah i can't stay working full-time by myself uh ongoing because that's not what i want to do i have too much other Mm -hmm. stuff going Mm on um and as nice as the money is uh you know that's the the whole the whole point of of what the last few years has been for myself for you is not wanting to work full-time so totally i've kind of been desperately trying to dig myself out of that hole without making any kind of bad rash employer decisions that might mean in a month's time i'm like oh i rushed into hiring someone they're not that suitable and then you're kind of stuck with that person um because in new zealand it is is quite we have 90 day trial period but you know it is quite hard to let someone go uh employment law wise once you've hired them and plus the awkwardness of hiring someone then be like oh you can't actually do this job so making sure you hire people that can do the job is you know quite a intense process yes so anyway that's been going on and it's definitely been layered up by the whole uh pending omicron situation um also haven't had you know the best sleeps the last few weeks uh you know we have a new being in the house and that four-legged being is <laughs> you know, uh, something of a night owl and, you know, (laughs) invite me into your histories of an inside cat lifestyle because how do I get her to sleep in the nighttime, Matthew? (laughs) It's, it's hard. Um, yeah. Amber, our, our new, 
Our new beautiful SBCA cat has been enjoying the nighttime frolics, keeping us awake. There hasn't been that much sleep. We're trying to figure out the, you know, do we do we uh, not have food out at night so she doesn't eat noisily in the night? Or is that not as bad as not having food out and her being loud because she wants to be fed, mm. tiring them out, that type of situation? And uh, it sort of all came to a head yesterday when uh, she uh, went outside for the first time and didn't come back for 12 hours. Um, <laughs> the SPCA sorry. had said, you know, she's mostly an indoor cat, probably keep her inside for a month at least before letting her out. So she's really comfortable with home and she knows what home is. And uh, Amber went out a window yesterday and and all afternoon and evening it was sort of, uh, is this cat lost? Is she going to come back? Who knows? Thankfully, long story short, uh, we coaxed her back in at about 10 o'clock at night. But cat timetable and sleep lack thereof combined with the work stuff has has meant i've been sort of just generally pretty exhausted the last (laughs) last few weeks Um, how did she how did she sleep after her adventure uh what was one of the better sleeps we've had but there was still a a 4 a.m wake up of of some uh, meowing and some scratching of the carpet and perhaps some requests for games and it's hard yeah. because you want to give this thing attention, especially when it's been gone for a while and you want to reassure it that, yes, you know, you're here and you want to look after it and all that stuff. But also it's, you know, you can't, we're trying to break the habit of uh, a cat getting any attention at nighttime. If you can stand yeah. it, you should just yeah. not respond to anything and eventually they'll learn that nothing happens. But it's so hard when you, you're in that <laughs> early period. And especially when it's run away for 12 hours. And they're like, yes, yes. Hello, here. welcome back. Stay here. Um, <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I, 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 I felt that with Angel, I think, you know, it was kind of just ignoring her when it was going to sleep. Um, I think the food is a really good question. I would only ever feed her in the morning, you know, bickies for lunch and then more wet food in the evening night time i wouldn't have any food for her over overnight but then i think that's what contributed to the you know five six wake up calls yeah. for food so yeah you're right i think it is a as a weird balance but hopefully she'll just you know start getting the getting the idea of uh the cat that she needs to be <laughs> the cat that you need to be you were supposed to be the chosen one the chosen one um <laughs> Well, my question time for this week uh, is sort of follows on directly from that, but I will I will circle back to that. Um, okay. In terms of other stuff going on creatively, some bits and pieces. Um, you know, we've taken some small steps in, in terms of the show that we're working on. Nothing massive, but like we have our rehearsal space booked, uh, which is you know might sound like a small thing, but it was a big logistical thing we had to get over. We're sort of closer to figuring out what New Zealand authors we're we're using. Um, there was a crazy story that I uh, told Matt a few weeks ago. Where opened the shop, uh, seven thirty, chatting to this. Uh, older gentleman about coffee and and stuff and then i sort of put these pieces together and and realized that the person (laughs) that i had made coffee for was uh uh, a man gentleman by the name of witty Hermida, which if you're not from new zealand you'll have no idea who he is probably but very very well renowned new zealand author author of probably most famously a whale rider a very very successful new zealand film kesha castle hughes was nominated for an oscar for it uh and in the middle of the sort of admin trying to figure out which new zealand authors we were using i had this interaction with 
arguably one of New Zealand's like top five most famous authors. And I messaged Matt afterwards. I was like, I didn't realize it was him. Um, so that was a funny thing that happened. But yeah, that show's ticking along. Um, yesterday I did some uh, ADR work on the short film that I shot in November, which was fun. Um, Yo, I love ADR. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's if, so much fun. If you don't know what ADR is, it's it's. I don't even know what the letters stand for i guess the audio is... digital recording oh, well, sorry about you actor <laughs> um outside of its of its uh, definition adr is basically when you shoot a film or anything on screen and you come back afterwards in post-production you go oh the audio is crap we need to re-record it in a studio um so you go back in and yesterday was my first time doing adr actually at least cool. in a uh, my words of my character. I've mm-hmm. I've done uh, something called a loop group before, which I did on Mr. Corman uh, last year, where they needed to fill out the space of sound. And yep. so we went in sort of a group of 10 of us and we just made background noise for sort of bar scenes and group scenes. Whereas this was a case of well, it was just my character. We'd done a couple of scenes outside where the wind had been really loud. So we needed to re-record the audio. And it was so much fun. I had a blast. Yeah. It was about three hours. Uh, time flew. It was everything from sort of making breathing noises to sort of specific <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> lines of dialogue. I'm pleased to report that it went very well. Uh, nice. The sound person from the film and the director were very happy. They complimented me on my ability to sort of replicate the audio, Yo, which... Was sort of gratifying as a as a skill that some actors have and some don't. And you know yep. the, the sound guy Alex, he was saying, you know, there are horror stories of people on million tens of millions of dollars of feature films out of Hollywood who have to work with actors who just can't replicate can't this, what they're doing in scenes. And you know, it's not the sort of thing you put on your CV, but it's helpful to know for projects that if you can do ADR. And I imagine our work you know, within this oral mediums, um, mimicking that sort of ability as an actor lends itself towards ADR work. But yeah, I had a blast. And, and the thing about ADR is you can add in new stuff. Like exactly. There was, there was stuff exactly. that we hadn't done on the day, you know, improv tiny bits of uh, one-liners, uh, bits of breathing to add to scenes to make it seem more dramatic. There were some lines that I had done that I hated the performance of that I essentially <laughs> got to redo. And the yeah. thing is, so long as you can match the mouthing that your word is doing perfectly, the yep. audience will never know. Nah. But sometimes they do. And this is the thing, you know, some people might not realize, but, you know, ADR is really, really common, even to the highest level of filmmaking totally. and TV shows. Sometimes you're watching something and it just doesn't seem right. You know that feeling when you stream a TV show and the sync is out and you're like, oh, the audio isn't isn't lined up. It's not as bad as that, but sometimes you'll watch, you know, a TV show or a film and things just don't, the audio just doesn't quite seem to be matching what you're seeing. It's probably because it's been done ADR and it's probably because the ADR hasn't been that good. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's sort of film dirty little secret because i don't think anyone is really pretending that everything is always shot you know yeah, totally. live it's a it, it, i mean it's a sort of distant coven of cousin of like green screen or cgi people yeah. don't people have accepted that not everything is shot visually live in a, in a spot but <laughs> it's not real it's not real they didn't what they didn't go to the moon for this um but yeah so doing adr on that was really really fun and that film i, th- I think 
has to be finished within about a month so i think Touchwood, i'm going to get to see it in about a month which would be cool. cool don't know when it will be available publicly but i will update you on that um yeah it's nice to have kind of come back into the year and gone like oh yeah that was something in november and and getting to see it will be really cool so that's kind of the, the creative stuff i have going on but i cool. will i will wheel back around to my question time which is regarding uh cats and not not regarding adr at all and um <laughs> My question to you is a sort of a, a mashup of cat stuff and a mashup of one of our very, very earliest topic episodes regarding the, uh, the ethics of having children. And my yes. question to you is if you had the opportunity, be you prime minister, be you legislature writer, uh, you know, if you could enact this law and functionally have it happen somehow you know mm-hmm. the how you make this happen realistically i don't know um but for a hypothetical sake would you make the decision that anyone in new zealand worldwide if you have this power mr universe you did say at one point what would you do if you had a minute to talk to the world um <laughs> if you could would you enact it such that anyone interested in having children has to own and look after a kitten or a cat or maybe a puppy or a dog but Mm -hmm. one of those two high maintenance pets before they're allowed to consider having children and the reason i ask that is because if nothing else the last two weeks have made me go looking after another (laughs) creature that disrupts your sleep and needs your attention sometimes you don't understand it is so draining yeah. and even in this situation of life where it's pretty you know i live a relatively privileged life in terms of my living situation and my income and yeah you know, the support that i get from fran all that sort of stuff i'm like i don't know how the hell i could do this and someone said to me today like yeah well that is what white middle class people do in new zealand is they get pets and then they get married and they have kids and i was like yeah to some extent maybe that's true as well as being being funny but you know Mm -hmm. i just thought it should be it should be a requirement because if this is if this is tiring enough you know i really think it would make people second guess and have a think about the responsibility of having children so how would you feel about that as as a law as a requirement of nature having to look after a kitten or a cat or a dog or a puppy for an extended period of time mandated before you can have children mandated yeah i i like i think that's the that's the word that it comes down to right is that man mandation of it i i mean regardless of the man mandate or anything like that i think yes i think everyone should at least at some point in their life um i mean and this in your case before uh having a child yes should definitely look after a pet because i think you're so right i I think some people some people can do it really well and some people can't and i think that really comes down to a lot of like um how much a person can have um empathy and apathy you know for for another creature or another life of some sort because i mean you hear of instances of families and things like that of having you know that's why animals sometimes end up in the spca because of neglect or you know not seeing it as a you know a true form or or a human in itself 
I think it's obviously hard to compare an animal to a human life, of course, and especially when it's a human life that you've brought into the world. Mm -hmm. We hear that pretty much from everyone who has a kid is like you your perspective of life completely changes when you have a child you know because it really is all about protecting this thing and making sure that this thing is well uh, lives and and grows up obviously as your child but i think it's it's exactly the same as an animal as well i think if you have a lot of empathy and apathy you know towards other things and other creatures and other people then you're going to treat an animal exactly the same way so i think it does really teach you a lot of um you know of those kind of skills but also teaches you a lot about yourself and what you truly want to get out of life i mean you know it's different dogs and cats and things are very like companion right you know very much of have having a companion around whereas i think when you have a child it becomes very much more of like a uh a, a legacy you know having children is is for the future and raising them to have their own life so you know it, you can brag to your mates at the park being like yeah that's my kid over there um i you know completely two different circumstances but i i I know what you're getting at in the sense of just actually realizing and knowing the feeling of looking after and Mm. raising something i think is pretty much uh i mean without the changing of nappies and things like that you do obviously have to make sure that this thing doesn't do anything bad that you feed it that you love it you give it your attention um i think it's i mean because how how old is how old is amber she's six and a half six and a half yeah exactly you know so i you know it's that also difference of you think of the life that amber's lived as well before coming to you as opposed to like having a kitten and stuff like that. Even that adjustment in itself is a tricky situation. And I guess it would be the same with adopting a child as well. Um, But yeah, I think to your question, should it be mandated? I would say yes, because I think even though they're completely, you know, separate scenarios and different beings, I think it still teaches you a lot about yourself and how you would like react to things and stuff. And potentially it's an easier, lighter load. Actually, it might be even more annoying of a load for when it comes to having a kid because your whole perspective changes when I think when you have a kid. I have a quick little example today. It was quite funny. Uh, Morgan's sister, who I've talked about before, Terry Ann, um, they just got two little kittens um, brother and sister, uh, and their adorable Bella and, um, uh, but, oh, what's the, is it Bagheera? Bagheera? Is that the panther? Bagheera? Bagheera. Yeah, That's the, that's the panther in Jungle Book, eh? Yeah. 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 So Bagheera, Bagheera and Bella. Um, anyway, the past couple of days, she's just been keeping it in the room. Um, and they've been like really good in her room, just climatizing to the house and things. Anyway, this morning she let them out uh, into the rest of the house for the first time. And it was just really funny, well, not funny, but it was interesting watching how concerned she was that the cats were scared. Yeah. You know, because she was like, you know, like, why, like, I hope they're okay. Like, why are they being like this? And it's like, they're fine. They're just 
adjusting. Like, don't put too much pressure on yourself because the cats are being absolutely destroyed with information in a completely new environment. Um, and I made the joke of like, man, it's going to be interesting watching how she child, because she was like, make sure all the windows are closed, make sure the toilet seat is down. Um, you know, like she, she was going full, making sure these kittens were okay. I'm like, they're animals, they're cats, they're not stupid. Um, and so I made the joke of like, wow, it's going to be interesting when she has kids for the first time and watching how she childproofs their house. Um, cause <laughs> it was just amazing how protective she was of these animals. But I said to her, it's like, they're fine. They're cats. They just need time to adjust to their surroundings. So I think in in that case for her, I think it, you know, nice seeing what it's like having those cats and stuff. But mandate, I would say, even though mandates are very hard and we obviously have been you know, mandates with COVID or right, right, right. Um, I, I would, I would say yes. I think in an alternate universe of where it came to it, I think the world would be a lot better off if everyone had an animal at some point before having kids to just kind of realize what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a patience thing. It's a totally, reflection totally. of what are you actually like? What is the version of your personality that you become? when you have this thing to look after and you know, it's not, it's not like owning a, not that I've ever owned a fish, but I've been told <laughs> that owning a fish is keep the tank clean and make sure you feed them, you know, cats and dogs, you know, dogs obviously require a certain amount of exercise. Cats require a certain amount of, uh, stimulation, you know, physical stimulation, mm. mental stimulation, um, dealing with different body clocks. And I think that's what I've realized over the last few weeks is not my lack of patience, but, when there's other stuff in my going on in my life that continues to go on that I want to prioritize, I have to keep reminding myself that I actively made the decision to join. The, you know, I didn't bring this cat into the world. It's not even a kitten, but we have chosen to home it. And that is going to constantly compete with my desire to do other stuff. And I think that is the key crossover between, uh, you know, choosing to own, uh, an, shall we say, uh, an, active pet complex (laughs) pet and having a kid is that that takes that must and should when obviously it doesn't in lots of cases because there are lots of bad parents out there let's not pretend that there aren't um there are lots of parents who you know have children and then somewhere down the line realize that they don't have as much energy empathy apathy whatever versions of caring or not caring you want to use to like give that thing as much effort as it needs and it's not there's been no point in the last two weeks where i've regretted getting amber there hasn't been any point where i've been like i wish we hadn't done it but there have been times where i've gone ah this is making right now way more complicated like yesterday i was having a crap day at work had lots of other stuff on and then she ran away and i was like i just don't need this today I mean, cats have long lifespans, not as long in human years as humans have, but just, just thinking that, you know, the, the classic thing is to 18 and that's when a child like leaves home, right? Leaves home. I yeah. just think people don't understand quite what a long haul commitment it is. Uh, and include, I've include myself in that, you know, we've had discussions about the ethics of having children from all sorts of other perspectives, but I just think from an ethical perspective, there's nothing that replicates 
having a child that people have to go through. Uh, I mean, you see on reality TV shows all the time, they're like, look after the doll that cries and you have to water <laughs> yeah, it and yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be way more effective to say, here's a cat, look after it for two years. See if after two years, you know, you want to, you, you still are interested in like the disrupted sleep and having to pick up poo and all that sort of stuff. So True. yeah, I know what you mean. The whole word mandate is very, very scary, but yeah, but I mean, think about the lives of uh, the children that you would be improving mm. or removing situations where children were brought into the world in situations where they, they wouldn't want to be. So, yeah, just that has been something that I've been thinking about the last couple of days. I I wanted to kind of recognize the lows of what the last two weeks are bringing. Obviously, the highs mm-hmm. are amazing. It's so nice to have this new companion. Yeah. Uh, the the friendships forming are beautiful. You know, having a creature to look after. All the best things obviously outweigh the the tough things. But yeah, even only being in that first two weeks, like the twilight zone, the honeymoon zone, already I'm like, whoa. <laughs> having something <laughs> as you know, and and Fran and I had the discussion. And we were like, well, what does this mean for how long we're staying in New Zealand? Does this mean we can't move until? at whatever point, you know, we, we cease to have Amber around anymore. It brings all these yeah. massive questions in that I think, totally. I think you just don't, you don't consider until, until you have the thing there. Um, yeah. So thank yeah. you for your in-depth response. And I thought it'd be interesting to ask you as someone that has, you know, gone from not having pets to having a pet to now being in a situation where you are not the primary carer for that, yeah. that pet. Um, I was yeah. interested to get your perspective on it and, and to, potentially ask the controversial question because i think if you asked 100 people in the street lots of them would be like oh you can't stop people from you know making up people think they know they want children or they have the right to have you know there'd be a certain certain response which i think would be justified on the surface but i think when you work below it 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 makes more and more sense um yeah i mean just a quick quick perspective it's it's funny how when you have a family and you have a child all of a sudden it is then like, okay, you have a kid. Now that's when we get a pet. And then you're having this added pressure of also having a child, but also trying to raise a pet in itself. You say to the kid, okay, this is your responsibility, but really it's not the kid's responsibility. It's your responsibility on top. So it is almost like you have, let's say you have one kid, you have two children all of a sudden. It's interesting how that happens where, yeah, instead of doing it the other way around, it is a, it is a test. It is a tester. And then, yeah, you you bring that animal into the life with the child, and it's uh, the animal is like a a bigger sibling. Yeah, I guess that just becomes a like, we're not sleeping for two years anyway, so we might as like, what does it matter <laughs> yeah. if two things are making noise versus <laughs> True. versus one? It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, would be interested to hear anyone's opinion. Obviously, chime in. Pet owner, not a pet owner. Child, not owner, but. Kara or non-child Kara. Um, but we should move on um, into, you know, what are you watching? It's been, what are you a, cu- watching? It's been a couple what of weeks. I'm sure, there's a, I'm sure there's a list. I have to admit that the last time we recorded, there were things that didn't make the list because the list was so long. So I feel like we've been constantly playing catch up with it. I'm sure after two weeks, there, there are a few things. So uh, the time is yours to go in, in as much depth or as little depth as you want. What have you been watching, gaming, doing over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, nice. Uh, not a lot. I really haven't been a lot. And honestly, I 
I look back and I'm like, what, why can I not remember what I've been watching? And it's because I realized that I've actually been watching TV lately. Um, but TV to the point of it's giving me movies to watch. Mm. So I'm not actively being like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. And now when I think back to remember what I've watched, I can't remember. I know on TV last week I watched um, Superman v. Batman. Oh, yeah. Um, it was on TV. got to say, watching it back again, uh, I still think it's better than Justice League but not as good as the Snyder Cut Justice League. I think out of everything that DC has done, I think the Snyder Cut Justice League is the best. Um, Superman v. Batman is still up in the air, but better than the Justice League that was released. I still think Wonder Woman's amazing. I think, yeah, that's good. Um, uh, And then Jurassic Park's also been on TV as well. So I watched the first Jurassic Park and the second Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Um, So that was interesting as a rewatch in themselves. Um, But the two big ones, the two big things that I've watched the past uh, two Tuesdays, because Tuesday is when I hang out with my mama. Uh, She comes over and we chill out. Um, Last week, finally because of everything and COVID and all of the stuff and movies and righty righty rah when it was released and now it's on Disney Plus. Finally watched Eternals. Oh, right. Um, yeah, Eternals um, is MCU, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for those that don't know. Um, if you don't know, I'm a massive fan. Um, and yeah, it was nice to finally see Eternals again. Eternals is one of those movies that is showing us something completely different going into phase four of the MCU. Um, we knew things were going to start looking a little bit different because you have to just start one-upping Infinity War and Endgame and everything that came before. You have to give the audience something new and a fresh perspective. But Eternals, when it first came out, it had it was pretty much a 50-50 from it's good, it's bad. Um, so I knew I was going in with a bit of a lens of, uh, 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 yeah, that exactly that, that 50, 50 feeling. Um, I came out of it and look, I enjoyed it. I think it's really hard for, to ruin a Marvel movie for me because I just have so much love and passion for it. Um, but if you look at it probably with a lot more of a technical lens and a technical view, um, it's definitely not the best movie out there. I think from a fan perspective, it was really nice to see something new and something that spanned over, you know, 7,000 years of the Eternals and, and, you know, what they're all about and why they're on Earth and all of that. But, um, yeah, visually stunning. Um, uh, is it Chloe, Chloe Zhao um, directed mm-hmm. um, Eternals, who also directed um, the award-winning um, Nomad um, at the Oscars also won best director as well. So it was interesting her coming in and seeing what she was going to do with the MCU. So yeah, she definitely created like a visually beautiful movie. Um, but yeah, I think a different, completely different wheelhouse for her and what she had to deal with, with, with the MCU itself. Um, so yeah, Eternals, like I said, I'm a fan. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it definitely had its flaws and plot holes as well when it comes to the Marvel, uh, Marvel universe and everything around it. Um, anyway, one more movie that I watched over the past few weeks. Um, I watched this just the other day, finally getting to it. And I'm really glad I did. Um, and that's also Disney Plus's Encanto. 
Ah, yes. So good. So good, man. I cannot get enough of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, I just love his stuff so much. And we talked about this last time with musicals and things like that. Like, I love Hamilton. I love Tick, Tick, Boom. I really like Moana as well. And now Encanto with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, it's so good. Uh, I think it's it's a beautiful story set in Colombia um, about a family that gets a gift of um, the gift from the land and they all have different, you know, well, that's just it. They all have different gifts and what they do for their community. And it's, it's yeah, like I said, it's all about family and, and your role within a family. Um, it was, it's, it's really well done. Um, I think the story itself probably wasn't the most expansive story um, as much as like maybe what Soul gave us and Coco and things. Um, but the music is great. Um, really has that little Lin-Manuel Miranda vibe and, and flow of music but putting it within that kind of Columbia traditional, um, you know, music um, goings is is really good. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't watched Encanto yet, uh, I, I definitely recommend because it's a very fun time. It's also very funny. Uh, I, I, I laughed so much throughout the whole movie, which was quite, quite refreshing, um, I think, when it comes to, I mean, oh, in saying that, I laughed at Moana so much as well. Um, very good. Encanto, top tier. Probably not like you know S tier, best of Disney Plus. What does Disney S movies. stand for? I've never known. What does it stand for? In S tier. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, uh, oh, it's hard to explain. It, you know, because it. Mm, ah. Like I know S-tier the is visual grid. I know I've seen that apply to lots of different yeah, rankings. C-B- I've just never known what a is S tier. Yeah. Uh, to be honest. I don't know. I just know that it's the top. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I really don't know. I'm not. Until, is it like special? Um, well, no, because it's A B C D E F. Um, Superb or super, according to Wikipedia. Super, yeah. It's just better than everything else. That it's seems so top. weak. Why it's not just make it a, a B C D? Who decided? Let's put S. Special. S. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But yeah, it's yeah. I would say it's not S tier. I would say it's probably uh, definitely A tier for sure. At some point, and uh, I will note this down as a genuine note, not a fake note. As we should do our Disney rankings. We should do our totally. You know, that'd be something yep. that would be as controversial as our sort of fast food <laughs> ranking episode. So maybe that will <laughs> be one of the topics in the next few. Yeah, weeks. I'd love that. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, I definitely. I think the the night that I was tossing up between watching Luca and Encanto, I think I finished Luca and went. I probably should have watched Encanto. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I had sort of regrets afterwards. Not that I can't watch it now, but just you know when you have that that feeling of watching, you have like, the mood of doing yeah, it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've definitely totally. seen lots of clips from it on on YouTube with the, the sort of songs that are. In it. We don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, that's the big no, one. No, I saw a. Like a twenty-second remix of that that was using apple bottom jeans on YouTube. That's oh really ten million views for a twenty-second video. So oh my I gather gosh. that people who have enjoyed Encanto like really enjoyed that. I felt sort of out of the loop. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, That's I will. Crazy. I will watch it because you know if we're going to do rankings, we will have had to watch all all the key ones. So maybe that will be our next big our next big adventure. Uh, of course, you know. 
will we redo our Oscars rankings predictions this year? The jury is out on that. We'll have to see, you know, when the nominations come through, you know, whether it's feasible or not. Stay tuned for that. Uh, obviously, nice. the Golden Globes has gone, been and gone in terms of people we know have won those categories. So I imagine the Oscar nominations must be soonish. Um, True. In terms of what I've been watching over the last few weeks, uh, the, the the sort of small three small tidbits that I didn't get to last time, three TV shows. Uh, one of them, sort of Fran has been watching it, and I've been watching it when she's been watching it, but not every episode. Is uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a TV show called The Great. Um, are you aware oh. of The Great? I am not aware of the great. Uh, so it's a TV show that's based around um, loosely historical in the sense that it's not historical. Uh, it's hugely satirical. Like it's a massive comedy based around Catherine the Great uh, and Peter the Third of Russia, that kind of period of time in, in Russian uh, oh, history. Yes. Uh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. 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 So Al Fanning uh, plays Catherine and mm-hmm. Nicholas Holt is uh, Emperor. Yes. Peter yes. the third. Um, and yeah, so I sort of came in late to the show. Like Fran had watched a few episodes and I was kind of catching up. And so it's said in the 18th century, uh, you know, stylistically very much of the time, like visually and the yeah. costumes and all that stuff. But they're kind of loosely following the history of, Catherine the Great's rise to power and everything that came with that, but just filled with a script of uh, like crass sexual <laughs> comments. I'm trying to think of of a show that I could refer it to. Um, you know, anytime there's something historical and it's just played as a massive farcical comedy, that's basically what The Great is. But really, really enjoyable. Like the performances are really good. It's nice to watch something vaguely historical, but you're like, this is so you know absurd in the way that it's it's presented yeah, yeah. is it like how bridgerton uses um like uh, like con- contemporary music and stuff that uh, kind of I, I i think i know what you're trying to do i'm just trying to come up with it what you're saying i'm just trying to come up with an example of it no I no i think it's think it's, it. it's relatively stylistic of the time um an equivalent just a modern text yeah yeah i mean yeah, the equivalent yeah. show might be uh a show called upstart crow which was david mitchell playing shakespeare i guess sort of very much in the line of uh um blackadder and the sense black historical that, yeah, time I was just, just about to say that. Like, it obviously never happened like this yeah, yeah. blackadder would be a really close uh, yeah. example um so that's really enjoyable and and i think there's been two seasons and i probably watched about half the episodes um and it's it's light, but you there is enough plot and drama and what's happening mm. uh, in terms of people trying to overthrow other people that you do get invested in sort of the storyline and historically what was happening. So I would recommend that, even though it's not a show that I've I've watched every episode of. Um, two other ones, uh, I decided to start rewatching Bodyguard prime 2018 oh, yeah. tv uh did you yeah. watch bodyguard right like yeah had such yeah. a moment richard right? madden right yeah richard madden 2019 yeah. i think was sort of the most watched show in the uk yeah. it was one episode a week so everyone was doing the tune-in thing it's only six episodes so very yep. much that kind of uk mini series vibe um 
I decided to start rewatching it. I think I only watched the first three episodes because it was sort of, I think it was in the holidays and maybe the holidays finished. So my kind of TV watching got interrupted, but yeah, just reminded of how great a show that is. So as a recommendation mm-hmm. for anyone, if you've never seen Bodyguard, it's only six episodes and it's some of the best it's short great. series drama you'll ever see. Totally. It's about a bodyguard in modern contemporary London dealing with, uh, Sort of ongoing terrorist threats and him being assigned to the uh, foreign secretary within the UK parliament. So uh, very topical, particularly at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have started watching this uh, TV show called Criminal, which is uh, Netflix, I believe. And it's single episodes about different uh, criminal cases. So they're all the episodes are just set inside the interrogation room. And every episode is just a completely oh, different terms of yeah, case. Yeah. And so it's very contained, 50 or so minutes, one case. And it's just good acting is the best yeah. way that I can explain it. It's like, here's a case. There are people trying to get the person to come out, the admission of guilt. The first episode in English was David Tennant. And if nothing yep. else, watch that, that episode. But I think the series has also had one season was in French and one season was in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, but mm-hmm. it's just short single episode really well scripted really well performed uh interrogation room stuff so if you like interrogation room kind of drama um that would be really good uh and then my sort of my last tv thing what we are ongoing watching at the moment is i finally convinced fran to watch the office american office all the way through with me uh (laughs) i myself have sort of probably seen some episodes up to 10 times some episodes i've never seen very much my uh most watched version of that and parks and rec and brooklyn nine night like the office has always been my most watched but i've never seen it all the way through mainly because i've never had anyone else to watch it through watch it with, with yeah but we've done season one and two and we're halfway through three and we're just keep keep charging and to be honest for me i love having a show that's short episodes that you don't have to you don't have to sit down and put too much time and investment and energy into Mm-hmm. so having that ongoing is great and it's just a you know shall we watch an episode and the episode turns into three episodes but three episodes is only an hour so yeah the office <laughs> is my main ongoing light fear and i think with all the stress and the tiredness and the armor crown bouncing around it's nice to be watching something uh something light so yeah that's my what have you been watching for the last couple of weeks nice nice yeah those those are good recommendations mm. um yeah i'm the same my my office is very much brooklyn 99 yeah um yeah i've seen all of brooklyn 99 probably maybe twice at least um so yeah yeah totally totally get that vibe everyone um, has one there's there's yeah. no one that has ever said i like parks and rec and the office equally everyone has a number one yeah. uh, and i would never i wouldn't try and say that the office is better than parks and rec or brooklyn i know any of those kinds of shows you just resonate with one group of characters and their situation um yeah. and for me it's the american office uh we nice. should rank our beers i think we should we i should. think i think we should give them some scores i'll let you go yep. first with your uh your massif double ipa hazy ipa uh what's your final verdict yeah nice um i finished it already um that's that's how much i really enjoyed it uh i am definitely feeling uh (laughs) the 8.7 percent of this uh drinking it within uh, just over 40 uh, 50 minutes um 
yeah, it was like I said at the start with my first sip, it was really easy to drink. Um, and I think that adds a lot to how, how that, how they did it. Cause like I said, I think even though I like the palette of a double IPA, um, sometimes it can be very intense. This one, smooth, really easy to drink. Um, but not to the point where I felt like it was light and it wasn't a double hazy IPA. Um, it, they just, I think they just got a really good balance with it. Um, so I do, um, I commend Lakeman in, in, in creating this drink. Um, so for that, for that reason, it's, it's pretty high because I really didn't have anything bad going for it. Um, cause I like this type of beer. So honestly, if I was to give it a rating, it would be very much a high eight. I, I'm going to give it an 8.7. Wow. Pretty high. Yep. That's pretty high 8. score. 7. It, it did, it did really good i i would be really interested to drink this with my other double ipas that i've put higher like with my pernicious weed i'd be really interested to put them back to back and see which one i would like in the moment more mm. Mm. impressive stuff i mean you finished it and that says a lot because those things are, yeah. are weighty you know yeah um, exactly oh that's i mean first score for 2022 is setting the bar quite high i know I really enjoyed this lager. I've got to say, I think we've talked about it before that for lagers and pilsners, I think it's always a question of how how well does it stave off blandness as you go yeah. through the can. Totally. And this lager it was quite Moorish. I found myself wanting another sip and wanting another sip mm. you know mm. lags traditionally sitting outside in the sun hot day easy drinking it's really easy drinking but it's not boring and it yeah. doesn't have that sort of thin metallic the sort of flavor that i would relate yeah, to the yeah, kind yeah. of european lager where you feel like it's been sitting in a bottle or a can phages it doesn't have that it's definitely more rounded um so I think it's definitely, I've got to say I'm cheating a little bit because I have my brulette scores from last year up in front of me. I think I've moved on to that stage of, of life where I'm comparing them. Yeah, I think it's course. the best lager that I've had. The nice. uh, the Duncan's Yum Yum Yuzu got 7.5. The Garage Project XO33 got 7.6. I can't remember what you scored the mat. I don't think I enjoyed this as much as when I had the mat that one time, which I think is fair enough. This is this, this sort of standard lager, but I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's really solid. I definitely have one again. Like I'd probably have another one now if I was feeling like a sick beer. So I think I'm going to give it a. I think I'm going <laughs> to give it a respectable eight point two, which for a nice. lager is a pretty nice. solid score. That's pretty good. I only gave the mosaic uh, lager, the mat, a 7.8. Really? Yeah. I think you would probably score this lower than that. And again, you know, it's it's all about time of day and what you're feeling like. I'm sure if I had a really strong beer, I probably wouldn't have felt like it at the moment. But on on today of all days, I I give the Parrot Dog an 8.2. Nice. Parrot Dog. Nice. Call me sometime. Yeah. (laughs) Respectable. And that rounds out Brulette 31, the first of the year. Um, and that also rounds out the end of this episode. Um, it's been good to catch up again, man. I, I like, yeah, two weeks is, is definitely a long time for us. Um, but yeah, we, we, it's one of those things that we have a lot going on in our lives and we will continue to have a lot going on in our lives. Oh yeah, um, we will. It'll be, We're busy people. it'll be interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. And it will be interesting to see how 
your rehearsal goes, which I know you have to scurry off to relatively, I do. Uh, relatively soon. I do. Uh, so who knows when this will, will hit the old Spotify and other networks. <laughs> but um, no, it's been really good to catch up, bro, uh, especially after a couple of weeks. I really, yeah. you know, I get a sense of what you've been up to the last few weeks after these these episodes. So nice to catch up. Uh, sorry to have missed last week, everyone. I'm sure you've coped. Uh, thank you as always <laughs> for, for listening. We'll be back hopefully next week. We promise you nothing to keep you on to more um but from matt and i for this week all that is left to be said is we will see you next time